Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's episode 25, that's a quarter of a century, uh, of Rule the Roost podcast. Welcome to the show, my brother-in-arms, Raj Baines. How are you doing this week, sir? I'm not too bad, yourself? Yeah, I'm very good, I'm very good. Uh, I, I couldn't help but see you on Twitter this week saying, I never said anything wrong about Sherwood, I said he was the best manager for the job from the off. You, you love him now, don't you? You've, you've turned. <laughs> no, I'm not sure who you're following, but that definitely isn't me. That that was a joke for anyone um, listening that thought Raj would actually say he thought Tim Shell was the best man for the job. Um, <laughs> but, you know, an- another result. I think, yeah. you know, perhaps master, again, another average-ish performance, but three points. Yeah, you can't, as, as we said last week, you can't, you can't do any better than win your games and... and I think I've read in the week that he's he's made the best start of any Premier League era manager we've ever had. I was going to say, Raj, right, um, you, you, you're sounding a bit Tim Shaw, Dash, Harry Redknapp you're, you, yourself there, mate. You can't, you can't do nothing but win your games. You can't do nothing <laughs> but win your games. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. It's, it's 11 men on the field. All they've got to do is win the football game. So, yeah, I see. do away with all that tactics and statistics nonsense and just play football. It ain't science. Just get the ball in the back of the net, you know. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, it was, I was surprised to see what with the uh, Ballon d'Or uh, awards last night that Harry, Harry Redknapp wasn't up for uh, best European coach. No, he wasn't. I, I, I mean, having a Premier League squad and floundering in the championships a remarkable feat. So I don't think how he's um, how he's not been awarded. It's, it's an oversight on their part. Well, yeah, congratulations to Mister Yup Hakes. I'm surprised he didn't pass away with, with surprise. <laughs> When it was announced, that's, that's probably a bit ageist, isn't it? It's probably a bit harsh, yeah. yeah but he, he, he did he, really well. He, he did really well, but let's, you know, the man's a mummy, you know? He's ancient, but his, his managerial record speaks for itself. It's not a massive club that he hasn't really been at, so um, I think it was about his time time to win it, and I'm glad they didn't pander and just give it to, to Fergie because he'd retired, because, you know, Man United season last season was, was fairly average, it was fucking brilliant compared to season this year but in terms of what Fergie had done it was you know Premier League but you know floundered in Europe and didn't do too well in the domestics either so um, yeah they, they did well to give it to Yup, especially I, I, given that they oversaw Frank Ribéry I'll be, I heard that the uh, the secret of his success is just to you know let the players run around a bit to uh, give, them, give them the freedom to do what they want to do on the football pitch and not to really bog them down with Things like tactics or a formation. It's a simple game, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's it. Call me a cynic. I don't know. Just as we're you know flirting around 
the um, our old manager. He's actually um, Andre Villaspos. That is not Redknapp. He's he's been pictured this week um, pallying up with um, Pep Guardioli in Munich. So he's been. Um, I think the Munich. They were at a training camp in Dubai. I think was the case, and he's been there with them, um, just you know. Um, shadowing him while he's in training and things like that and and learning on the job there so he's he's clearly got his his head in the right space and he's and he's looking to learn before he goes into his next job and nah, nah, mate, the best. that's that's textbook textbook antisocial sociopathic thinks he knows it all no mark big shot that, that, he was probably yeah. there telling telling Guardiola where he'd went wrong in his in his Barcelona days and what he should be doing completely yeah you know whilst uh, whilst Telling him which uh, Bayern players to drop, maybe the ones that don't perform that well or something. I don't know. Just saying. Um, anyway, this Christ. Let's let's not start off on this foot. We won two nil. Um, yes. We saw possibly the worst penalty of all time. The the, the penalty that when Jason Punchin did miss. The, the, I don't know if you saw it, but the uh, the cameras went straight up to his face um, to to see him just saying to himself like. Oh my god! Just in yeah. that fashion, like he knew it the second it left his foot. I oh, almost question. feel sorry for the lad. I, I do too. But a quick question on the penalty: Do you think that is better or worse than Adibayor's last season in the Europa League against Basel? I think it's worse. Adibayor's kind of there was a bit of a turf issue, if I recall, wasn't it like a a bit of a crappy turf or something like that. There was a terrible turf, but he did that strange hop, skip and jump as he approached the ball last season. He must but, have um, been uh, dreaming of getting off the pitch and putting his beanie hat on. <laughs> Tweeting life is good. Yeah, that's it. Um, whilst Benny was lolling in the background, giving a, <laughs> giving a quenelle to some to some Jewish fans he might have seen in the crowd. Um, allegedly. It, no, no. Well, yeah, actually, allegedly, I guess he's done a quenelle himself. Um, but... Yeah, my, my mate actually, a Palace Palace supporting mate of mine, had uh, Jason Punchin as first goal scorer as well. Oh, I think they could have actually had he scored that on a serious note. They, they may have well have have gone on to to do better in the game than they had done because they were probably having a, a better time of it in the first half than we were for certain. Oh, and, they were um, brilliant. First half the, they played really very well. That penalty was more than deserved, and and they probably deserved the goal. To be fair, I think he, in terms of what he actually did, really hitting it, I think he, were, he he was trying to be too clever with the style in which he hit it. Because if you look at the 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 sideways on where he runs up at the ball, and and like the way he he, he wraps his foot across the ball, he's trying to give it that fade across it so that he think when you look at him take it. He, you think it's going the way that Hugo's dived. So he's done good in, in fooling the keeper to think it's going one way. But in trying to do too much with the ball and kind of give it off swing, if you will, and, and put it the other way, you know, in a similar way that Luka Modric used to use the outside of his boot in that fashion, mm. he, he's he's got it all <laughs> wrong and looked the right dick for it. I, I think probably the only time Jason Punchin's been accused of being too, you know, trying to be too intelligent is substituting alphabet spaghetti for spaghetti hoops, mate. You know, like he, he seems like a, a plank, the lad does. Yeah, well, uh, he wasn't too clever after that game either because um, he, he said some fairly um, 
legally questionable things about Neil Warnock after the game on Twitter, which it's inadvisable to discuss any further than that. But um, that's a, that's a story that will be interesting to follow from now on because um, I imagine Mr. Warnock has uh, has notified his um, his legal team because they weren't uh, they weren't you know easy comments to swallow I imagine for him they're not things that haven't been said in the past about him mind but um, the things that I imagine the press will um, will be following very closely well, I couldn't care less Neil Warnock's a cunt to be honest um, <laughs> but uh, sorry for sorry for my blue language there um, Colin Wanker there's a there's a lot of talk this week of Lewis Holtby Lewis it's become Lewis Holtby versus Nabil Bentaleb if you, if you haven't had enough of AVB, well, if you have had enough, I should say, of AVB versus Sherwood, we've now got a new one, which is Holtby versus Bentaleb. Let's just arbitrarily compare two players that potentially are very different. However, um, in a you know kind of rudimentary fashion, say which one's better out of the two. My take on the whole thing is Nabil Bentaleb looks incredibly promising. Looks like a you know a bright spark. However. Perspective needed. Though he's played what three games now. Perhaps yes, if a he's of performances, yeah. If he's maintaining this performance a year into his career with us, playing, you know, a lot more games than he has done thus far, then I'd understand the flippant nature with which Holtby's been dismissed. But at the moment, I think it's I think it's a bit a bit premature, should we say? Um, I'm a big fan of Holtby myself. I, I agree. I agree with some of the detractors that he maybe hasn't done enough. That his his uh, positional discipline isn't the best, and perhaps we don't even know, or well, n- neither manager, be it AVB or Tim Sherwood, if you can call him a manager, um, know Holtby's best position. I don't even know if he knows it himself. Is he a number ten? Is he more of a combative all-round midfielder? Is he a deep-lying, almost holding midfielder? I don't know, but uh, he's he's definitely a versatile lad, and I think it would be a shame to see someone that's actually captained a very talented German under twenty one team um, just to let him go like that without ever really giving him a proper run in the team. I think um, to play devil's advocate, advocate even um, advocate is that that disgusting Dutch eggy drink. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where my voice went then. I couldn't pronounce anything. It was very odd. I'll let my proper Yorkshire side go through there. Yeah. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Um, <coughs> Coca-Cola. Um, devil's advocate. Um, the only caveat to that would be that if it's actually something that's been insinuated by the player himself, which um, comments from his agent today may suggest, but you know how much you can believe an agent in this day and age is, is questionable. But... Um, for me, it's um, where Benton Lab's concerned. It's a very similar principle to what I applied to, to Townsend at the beginning of the season, where he was very, he was very impressive in terms of he ran a lot and he did a lot when he was on the ball and looked very confident in similar similar manner to what Benton Lab has done. Although they are very different positions in, in, that they play, very different roles for the team as well. But um, the hyperbole that surrounded them from fans immediately is is obviously. Born out of everyone's want to have a successful youth system and, and see these lads come up and be a Tottenham product from from day one, which is obviously a nice thing to have. However, the same line that I took with Townsend is that it's um, it's slightly concerning that we may overplay just how well a player is doing as soon as possible. Um, 
getting ahead of ourselves and not ha- allowing him the time to develop further because they are very young players and they do have a lot of time to go before they are the finished product um, and hopefully he's much closer to being a finished type of product in, in specific areas than Bentaleb is um, no matter whether he he fits into a certain position or not he'll 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 be a better squad prospect in the in the short term um rather than than if we were to sell him it, it would be a significant week uh, significantly weaken our squad if we were to sell holtby um which should which is the the thing that I'm worried about the most the fact that in the summer we we bought into the fact that we had so many midfielders of a certain quality that we could choose from um just because we we've now got others that that perhaps can can take those those places within a squad doesn't mean that we can then sell somebody else in and then place our trust well within youth products who could in a similar manner to I remember Jamie O'Hara when he first started playing for Spurs. He had one game where Harry Redknapp put him at left back, I think, against Cristiano Ronaldo, and he did reasonably well. And everybody thought he'd do really well. And then he was sold, not a year, eighteen months later, to to Wolves, I think, or he went on loan to Portsmouth at one point as well. And then his career has gone suitably downhill, and I think he's in League One or something now. I blame and, Daniel Lloyd. <laughs> I think that's why Jermaine Defoe has gone to. Toronto is just trying to escape her. <laughs> um, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't want to be too excited about him just as yet. I want to, to leave him some space in it. As I say, in the same manner, if you cast your mind back to, to how I was quite dour about um, Townsend, for want of a better word, at the start of the season when everybody else was getting there. Their panties very wet about him. I was I was slightly more reserved, and um, I think I'll continue to be so with Bentaleb as well. Although his performance on the weekend was was extremely encouraging. Very good. Lots of lots of sideways passes. I, I have to say, for for as much as people say about these, uh, I don't know. I, I I see that statistics have a real part to play in football, and I don't want to I I don't want to sound too Tim Show when I say this, but at the same time, I think there's a very arbitrary use of statistics at the moment. To say Nabil Bentaleb had a pass completion rate of X amount and this is his pass map, when you actually look at it, a lot of them were sideways or backwards and quite short. Just saying, you know. But well, the lad the lad is very good. Don't yeah, I mean, just to, again, play devil's advocate to that. Um, oh, for fuck. Do you, have, do you have to undermine me constantly, Raj? Do you have to do that? The you know? devil's advocate was my word of the day toilet paper today, so I'm trying to say it as much as possible. <laughs> is that after you went for a kapoo? Don't get me started. He's been linked away as well. I think. Um, I mean, I'd break mine and yours heart, I think, if kapoo was to only be here for two, three months and be injured for most of it. But I think we'll get on to that afterwards. He um, hasn't even had a good runny in the team. <laughs> he's not been consistent enough. Um, but, um, yeah, <clears throat> uh, what was I saying? I've forgotten now. You... I, I don't know. Should we just go on to Swansea? Whatever, yeah, Bentaleb's cause... good. Um, he yeah, might I was be... going to say, yeah, short passes and whatever. You, you could say the same about Luka Modric. Yeah, there you go. Um, Bentaleb is Luka Modric, according to Raj Baines. Oh, no, you, fuck you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about... Team Toilet Duck, sorry, that's, that's Team Swansea, with uh, our good friend, very good friend of the show, we've never met him before, Matt Harrison. 
So, hello and welcome to Rule the Roost, Matt. It's, it's, it, thank you very much for, for joining us. I know we said a little bit off-air beforehand. Off-air, look at me, trying to sound all <laughs> fucking professional. Um, on Skype, before we start, before I pressed record, um, that you've saved, you've saved a life today. You've, you've saved many lives for people that yes. listen to this podcast. Thank you very much, sir. It's no problem. Nice to save some lives. That's exactly. It's always always a good thing. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? I believe you, you have a blog. You are a purveyor yes. of blogging, aren't you? Yes, um, I do a. It was started as a Welsh football website called Lost Bios. Um, yeah, I like that. But it's. I live in. I live in Manchester these days, so it's sort of developed into a Welsh football website, but it's sort of turned into a ground hopping website. And when I'm not watching Swansea City, I can be found at all sorts of random non-league grounds up and down the country getting wet and watching crap football. Is that because you're so excited <laughs> watching it? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. But, uh, I, no, uh, I missed that. <laughs> I like, um, it's like that. One of my favourite Twitter accounts has to be, I think it's Groundtastic, the, yes, the lad yeah. that he, he posts all the pictures of the stadium or stadia, yeah. I should say, throughout the, the many the eras. Technology. Exactly, and now it it just makes you realise how kind of boring modern football stadiums are. To be honest, yeah, it? it's it's um no, it's great. You do it's um it's great for me. Like I always say, the best example I had was there was one week this year. I'm living in Manchester. I went to the Etihad to watch Bayern Munich v Man City, and then three days later, I was watching. Bournemouth FC v Christchurch in the Sydenham's <laughs> Ryman League. It was a bit of a step down. And which one was better, though? Come on, Matt. Be honest. Um, yeah, the Bournemouth FC were pretty good. Yeah, it has to be. Philip, Philip Larm, I think, might have stolen the show just. He's, he's, he's quite good, isn't he, apparently? Yes. I think he made some team of the year or something last night. Yes, so. yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, enough about Bournemouth FC and Christchurch and... <laughs> Brilliant German powerhouse sides, Swansea City. Yes. How how how's the season going so far, mate? Um, yeah, we like cups. <laughs> um, the league is going a bit hit and miss. Well, more miss than hit, really. Um, we're still playing the sort of attractive football that you know I think we're synonymous with now, but um. We just don't seem to be able to score as much as we used to. And I don't know if um, we've had a lot of injuries. Um, Michu's not been as good, but he's been injured a lot. Boney's taken time to settle. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's not, you know, it's not a car crash season yet, but it's not been as good as some people expected. See, is is this true about you still playing? Well, I'm, I'm assuming you're not coming on here to, to, to be a purveyor of lies, no, but of uh, that you're still playing this attractive football because I I'd heard that you've been yep. you've been booed off a few times and that there's been quite a lot of dissent about the the football that has been put on that um, um, the, the Aldrup star was almost likened to AVBs, which was kind of one of his big downfalls with Spurs yeah. fans in that although the results were going our way, the performances and the kind of the lack of attacking freedom was yeah. frustrating quite a few of the fans. Um, I guess it is a bit like that in a way. There's not been that, in all fairness to our fans, um, I don't think there's been that much booing like in stadium. But I think if you were to go on, let's say, Twitter after a game, there would be a 
yeah, it's, there is some dissenting voices, which, um, could, like, since Roberto Martinez came in, when was it, 2007, there's not been many dissenting voices at all, to be honest with you. Um, See, that's, yeah, you... I was going to say that surprises me, because when yeah. I go on Twitter after a Spurs kind of defeat or yeah. bad performance, they're usually really level-headed. Um mm. <laughs> and open to really constructive discussion. So it must just be something that happens with Shonzi, mate. Like it's it's uh, um well, I, I always say we were quite lucky that when Martinez came in, we were in League One, and I guess there's not that spotlight on you, and there's not that pressure. So in a way, Martinez it sounds it sounds a bit cheesy, but he almost educated our fans. There was even when we won the league, you. You'd have fans going, play two up front, Roberto. Get two up front, <laughs> and like he was saying, no, we're going to play this style of football. And I think it took about a year or two, but we got used to the fact that we are going to pass it out from the goalkeeper. We're not going to just lump it to our centre forward. And I think we got used to it. And then Paulo Souza was a bit of a backward step where we went ultra defensive. We just passed the ball around the centre backs for ages. And I would agree. I would agree with you in a way, actually, that this is the closest we've come to that Paulo Souza esque football in a long time. Where um, we're passing it, we're playing all the lovely passing, but we're sort of we're missing that killer pass. And our wingers have not had a great season, and especially with someone like Wilfred Boney, who's a monster, we we're not really getting balls into him, and it's it's almost like. Um, it was a bit like our first year in the Premier League and to go on to a Spurs player. Um, when we signed Gilfie Sigurdsson, we were still that bit frustrated with not being able to play that killer pass then. And then we signed Sigurdsson about this time in January and just our second half of the season, we were barnstorming. So we are missing uh, that, really. The enigma that is Gilfie Sigurdsson. Uh, <laughs> yes. An underrated footballer for me. What are your thoughts on Gilfie, Raj? Um, technically, he's brilliant. Um, I mean, he's quite specific in in the positions that he does really well in. Um, in that he'll want to play just behind the striker because he's not the quickest of footballers. But I think his deafness of touch and his ability at striker football can't be underplayed whatsoever. Um, he can spot a pass as well. Um, he's really good at playing a through ball. But um, I think it's his pace and the fact that sometimes he he need one or two touches before he's able to do something. He's not a He's not a one-touch footballer. I wouldn't say in that, you know, some some people can can spot a gap and, and flick it off the outside of the boot. Similar to if you watch Christian Eriksen play, for example, he he'll he'll have seen a pass before the ball's got to his his foot. Um, whereas Sigurdsson will, will want to take a touch and, and have a look about. Where you know, there's not nothing really wrong with that, but it's just a different type of, of football and different type of skill. Um, there's certainly a space for him in our in our squad. As I say, you can't. You can't sell every player that, that doesn't immediately fit into the first team because if you have an injury crisis as we do presently, um, although it's more to do with our defence than it is to do with our strikers, if say if, if you were to adopt the, the similar sort of ten players that are out and then you were to put them all on the people who are the front half of the field rather than the back, Sigurdsson would have a role to play. And under AVB, he tried him on the left. And he, he, at the start of this season, he scored a fair few goals from there. And last season, he picked a couple up as well to the, well, to the end of the season. So um, I'd hope that we gave him more time. But <clears throat> I can see with the 
with the rumours of some players leaving um, as they are currently in this window, he could be one that we, we might look to, to try and recoup our money in because we did spend a fair whack on him when there was um, other parties, including Swansea, interested. Did you uh, did you happen to see his goal against Hull in the Carling Cup, Matt? Um, I'm trying to think. I, it, ring, it rings a bell. I can't really think of it. I remember he scored a good goal. I tell you, yeah. mate, it, it just YouTube it. Have a look. Yeah. Um, it's it's honestly, it's. I know you sound it's that small club mentality, but it is one of those goals that if it was a Wayne Rooney or a Sergio yeah. Aguero that had scored it. You'd, it'd probably be up for the Puskas Award. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was amazing. See that I'm, I'm chucking in Puskas Award. Had I ever heard of the Puskas Award before <laughs> last night? <laughs> probably not. But now I can act like a pseudo intellectual football twat, which I'm not. I'm just a twat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, would, would you take? Would you? I take it you'd welcome Gilfie back at at uh, at Swansea. Yeah, you know, I absolutely adored him um, when he played for us. Um, I was devastated because we pretty much had him signed and then the day we supposedly signed him was the day Liverpool came knocking the door and said, can we have your manager? And within 48 hours, we'd lost our manager and then Sigurdsson had said, "Um, oh, I don't really fancy playing for you anymore. I might go elsewhere. So we assumed he was going to Liverpool with Brendan, but Spurs got him. So, yes, I'd I'd love him back, but it's it's a funny one because... We've got loads of midfielders, so would we really need him? But we've got a big injury problem. I'm a lot of injuries at the moment, so yes. Answer, yes. <laughs> um, in terms of that Rogers, Rogers Malarkey, um, how, how, how do you feel about him? I mean, because we've... I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tie this in with one of our, our listener questions. We've had one from Chris Man Spurs, um, who is at Chris Man Spurs. Um, at least he's consistent. He says, who really was, is, was, dash, is their best manager, Martinez, Souza, Rogers, or Laudrup? I mean, I, I ask that now because I, for me, I would probably say Rogers. I don't know. Oh, Martinez um, for me. I would, I enjoyed, I enjoyed myself more under Martinez than any of them. I'll say that. I think I, I don't know, there was some, there was something about him that was, it was just a, I don't know, I absolutely loved him. It absolutely killed a lot of Swansea fans when he left. A lot more than when Brendan left. Not that he still held in high acclaim, Brendan, but I think it was perhaps because Martinez was the club captain and he was a player a couple of years before. He played in, in that Hull game when we almost went out of the Football League. So it was perhaps a bit more of an emotional attachment. And the fact that Martinez gave the whole... He preached... Loyalty quite a lot, Martinez, to a lot of players like um, when Lee Trundle left, he sort of said, oh, never mind about Lee Trundle, he's disloyal. And he sort of, he didn't turn the fans against Trundle. But, um, That's a blast from the past. Yeah. Well, he's back at the club now. He's our ambassador. Um, <laughs> Lee Tr- I remember him in, I think it was an FA Cup campaign, wasn't he? Well, he had a few years back and he absolutely yeah. rinsed it, I would say. Wow. that was That's a word from that era. I- I can only say he is still a legend. Every away game you go to, he will be in your way end. And he will pose for every photo with every fan. He'll talk to every fan. He's a class act. Fair play to him. Good man, good man. Sounds yeah. like a lonely man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to answer, I, I, I personally 
perhaps it's because he started it all off as well. I preferred Martinez, although I was a lot. It's taken about only recently I've got over him going. <laughs> and, uh, so you don't, to be honest, you don't really give that much of a shit about Brendan Rodgers. I, I, in all fair, I like Brendan still. Um, I'm quite, I'm quite glad he's doing well because he was clearly very good. Um, I didn't agree with the people that said that um, he just took Martinez's team and got us into the Premier League. He did a lot for the team as well. But you can see that with Liverpool now. Yeah. I think at this time last year, I was probably one of the people saying, yeah. you know, he was. He inherited Martinez's squad and didn't really do much to Swansea. Look at what he's doing I, to Liverpool now. Um, but undeniably, Liverpool yeah. are. I, I always said with um, Brendan, I wrote an article for a reputed Liverpool website when Brendan first went there, and I remember writing that the best thing about Brendan is on the training ground he makes good players, great players, and I think that's what we're seeing. He's had a year now on the training ground with them, and people like Jordan Henderson, who's become. He looks a different player to what it's, the it, one that arrived to Liverpool. It's because they don't want their name to be in the envelope. That's all <laughs> like it is, the man. Yeah. They yeah, don't want true. their name in the envelope. <laughs> so, uh, I, I tell you what, just to, to change tack slightly, um, and I guess to go back onto the attacking midfielder flex, okay. if you like, a player I've often been very interested in um, in, a, in a professional basis is Jonathan de Guzman. Now, oh, right. this, oh. this is your Canadian... Jamaican, Filipino, <laughs> Dutch, yeah. Welsh, okay. attacking midfielder. Yes. Um, he's a Holland international. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> often struck me as a as a very very good footballer on his day, but right. okay. his day seems to be few and far between. What is it? Attitude? I, is it? I, I um I can say it's funny you bring that up as I I work. I work in a school and a child in school said to me just out of the blue today when they were doing work after school said, sir, that Jonathan de Guzman that plays for you, he's shit, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> just out of the blue. And I just, I personally, I, I've never really rated him. I, I think he's a tidy little player, but for a team like us, when the going gets tough, we like need to knuckle down. And in big games, he seems to just go, he goes missing. He's, I don't know what it is. It doesn't seem to have that bad an attitude. He, I, I've never really been able to put my finger on it. I've never been able to... don't really know what he does. <laughs> did, they, did the kid get a sticker or detention for saying that then? Um, oh, no. Yeah, ha, yeah how do you react people. to that, Matt? Do you, do you say, yes, he well, is, but don't swear? Or... Yeah, basically, yeah. I can't... Perhaps he didn't say shit, actually. He said something along those lines, though. Um yeah, Just in def- your filter, he turned it into yeah. Guzman shit. That's been that's been a problem all week because obviously last weekend we played United and lost to them, and I work in a school in Manchester, so I've had lots of stick this week. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've got what area of Manchester is it? Because um, uh, if you're like Mossside, then it probably makes sense. It's probably one of no, the nicest. I, I was technically Salford. Sorry, I'll get in trouble for saying Manchester. Now it's Salford. Salem. Place called Elam. It's, it's, it, it sounds depressing to be honest, Matt. I'm well, but so that's us. It's southern bias, you know. Southern yeah. bias. Well, I won't comment. Yeah. Just about. in case I lose my job. <laughs> no one wants but to lose their job. To, to go back to, to football for a second, <laughs> you've you signed a couple of, of players from 
Betis in the summer as well, yes. Pozuelo and Cañas. And when yeah. we discussed them at the beginning of the season, obviously they had a reasonable amount of time to, to bed in. Um, and it's slightly more topical now, given that Pepe yeah. Mel's at West Brom. Um, but how, are they, how have they adapted now that they've had a few more months behind them as they, they've started to appear more in the side? Yeah, def- um, definitely Canas is um, or Canyas if we're going to be Spanish. Um, has um, I've I've said for a few weeks now that if we were to pick our centre midfield, he would be one of the first names on the sheet for me. He's he's a class act. He's a nice little defensive midfielder. He can play, he can pass, but he's got a bit of a a dark side. We'll say as well. He's, you'll get stuck in, and it's a bit of a kicking the teeth really because he got injured at Old Trafford on the weekend and it sounds like it might be a quite a lengthy one or definitely a few weeks so that's not a good one um but yeah he's set um, so is he is he similar to to not to bring up your south yeah. uh Wales brethren too much but similar to to Gary Medell at, at Cardiff in that he'll he'll sit yes. and he'll break up play and then he'll recycle possession yeah I'd, I'd say um I hate to say it, I really, I really do quite rate Gary Medell. What I've seen of him, um, I think Gary Medell is a bit more of a neat and tidy footballer, and he goes with the ball. Canas is a bit more, just not just get rid of it, but he can play a nice long ball as well. He's yeah, they are similar though. Apparently, there's a bit of a rivalry between them as well in Betis Sevilla, obviously because they're not yeah, they're not too friendly either. <laughs> No, um, that's, a, that's a massive derby in Spain, that one. Yeah, yeah. And as for Pasuelo, um, as you, at the start of the season, so when we played Spurs in the first, was the second game, wasn't it? Yeah. There was, still a, there was still a big buzz around him, actually, because he'd played a lot in the Europa League qualifiers and he'd been superb. He'd come off the bench and just run at people and take players on. And um, there was a lot of excitement around him from Swansea fans and a lot of people saying, why isn't this lad starting? He looks the real deal. And I'd say around September, October, I think we did give him the odd start and it wasn't quite happening for him. But So he was more of an impact substitute. Uh, recently, though, we've had so many injuries. He's played a lot and it's been hit and miss, really, but he's still a young lad and all the fans are well behind him. We think next year it might be his season to maybe have more of an impact. He he's was, very young, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's only young. And basically, he hardly played for Betis out out in Spain. No one had really cheered of him. It seemed like no one else had picked up on him. I know Betis rated him, but they played him, I think it was maybe 12 games. And I think some of them may, may have been substitute appearances. But yeah, he looks, he looks class. He looks really good. He was very good at Old Trafford, the game we beat them. Actually, he was good this weekend as well, off fairness to him. Yeah. Um, you've got another player as well, uh, Lamar, not the one that yeah. won Fame Academy and is a Tottenham fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he had a good song, didn't he? What was Lamar's... His, his, 50-50. Justice in the world. That's the one. That's not quite, <laughs> I like that. He had that. a few. Yeah, he had a few. He had one decent album, to be fair to him. But yeah, Roland be- Lamar. Beautiful blue sure. eyes. Anyway, yeah. off Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, Roland Lamar, not not the, yeah. um, the singer. Um, well, how's he come? Because he, he's he's on loan, isn't he? Yeah, well, we signed him la- this time last year. Yeah, we signed him this time last year on an 18-month loan deal. And I think he played two or three games, was tragically bad and just did here again. I think he even made... He might have even come on in the 
in the Cat for One Cup final. Yeah. Um, and then he, um, he was, I'm sure he was parading the trophy and everything. So I can't remember if he did come off the bench, but he was definitely there. Um, and we gave him a John few Terry cups. style. Yeah, maybe. I, I really can't remember if he made an appearance. He definitely played the week before the Cap for One Cup final. We lost 5-0 to Liverpool at Anfield, and he played in that game, and he was just still awful. Um, and we we gave him a few goals pre-season in Europe, still nothing. But then I think it was, it was either start of December, end of November, I'm trying to think what game it was. He sort of came off the bench and was quite good. And then Pablo, well... Wayne Routledge hasn't been that great this season, and we gave him another go. And he's been all right recently, actually. He's one of those sort of players that's very un-Swansea-like because he's very fast and doesn't seem to be able to control his feet or his passing. <laughs> it's basically Swansea's game. So, um, yeah, he's he's looked all right recently off it, and it's still not quite there, but we've got him for 18 months, so... At least we feel we can do something with him now. Yeah, um, there's no obligation to buy or anything. So. No, no. He's, yeah, he's. I we came up with a good chant for him the other day as well, so we hope we can get to use that more. Go on then, what is it? We were walking around Manchester singing, Knowing me, knowing you, Lamar, there is nothing he can't do. Knowing me, knowing you, Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love but, it. But we were saying we'll get this going at Old Trafford, and when we got there, we found out he was injured. So like, oh. <laughs> you, could, you could have sung anyway, like "Sign of Solidarity" or something, perhaps. Yeah, I, I mean, Tottenham fans still sing songs about you know Nicola Bertie, and he hasn't been at the club for a good long time, <laughs> and he was shite. Yeah. yeah, but um, I mean, what what players do you think you're missing this season? If if you think you are a talker, they've been comings and goings. I mean, the, the business yeah. side of Swans is always something that's done fairly well because um, it's, yeah, it's obviously something as Tottenham fans we keep an eye on because when you've got a, a chairman like Daniel Levy, the business side of it usually takes front and centre, unfortunately, yeah. most of the side. Yeah. But because um, uh, you're such a well-run club, I mean, players like Scott Sinclair that are left, do you think that they're people that it's unfortunate that, that, they, that they never stayed, you never tried to, to keep them? Um. Scott Sinclair was a bit of a funny one, actually, because in the Premier League, he wasn't he wasn't really that great for us in the Premier League. And a lot of fans, although he's a, he scored a hat-trick to get us in the Premier League, so he is a bit of a legend still, but a lot of fans didn't really rate him that much in the Premier League. And the six million we got for him, we weren't really too bothered. Is it, is it one of those things where you think, like, Right, lads, just just keep quiet here. Right, yeah, just yeah, let, yeah, him have, yeah. let him have the money, and because I here's a, here's a good link to be honest with you. Okay. Um, that's almost how I feel. I know a lot of people don't, but that's almost how I feel about Stephen Colker selling yeah. him on to Cardiff. We got what nine million for him. Um, a lot of people will bemoan our defensive injuries this year. If we still had Colker, we'd win the Premier League or whatever. But for me, he was a very that's limited true. defender. And to get nine million pounds for him was inc- an incredible piece of business. I felt. Um, how did like, you feel about him? Um, oh, we—he was superb for us. We really, really. Cheers, liked cheers him. to that, Matt. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, sorry to go. Get, we we sort of said when Cardiff would go in nine million, we a lot of our fans were saying, "Why aren't we going for him?" I think nine million might have been a bit much for us, but yeah, cheers, cheers for selling him to them and. 
letting him score the winner against us in a in the first ever Premier League South Wales derby. Cheers for that. There, there. I, <laughs> do you know? I, I, I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. I, I, I actually said your badge looked a bit like a toilet duck before you came on air. I'm sorry. So I'm not. I'm not just brown nosing Swansea. I, no, I wouldn't no, do no. that. Um, sorry for insulting your badge. We should. Probably have a bit of bird badge solidarity, shouldn't we? I know we're yeah. both playing white and both have birds as our badge still. Yeah. Bird badge whiteies. That, that sounds a bit racist, but it's not racist. I'm digging a <laughs> hole. Um, what the hell was I talking about before this? Oh, you know, you're Cardiff. Say about Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah. Basically, Cardiff. Yeah. It's a horrible team. Horrible oh, team. Really, really are. <laughs> like, I, I, I know this is whole kind of, ha ha, let's all have yeah. a laugh about Vincent Tan yeah, and stuff. But he's the I, man's fucking ruining every like he's just ruining not everything. He's not responsible for everything that's wrong no, in the world. But he's I, he's an appalling man. Yeah, obviously, obviously, I don't like them, but I do. You know, I am friends with some Cardiff City fans, and I know some that have when they had the whole colour change and the bad change, um, they just said, "I'm giving up. I'm stopping supporting them," and that's. That's sad. I think even commendable. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think fair play to him. I I. It's hard to say I would do the same thing. I'd like to think I would, but it must be hard when you put in that position to decide stop supporting your club or support a sort of club that sold they sold to the devil. Really, it's... it must be odd for a Swansea fan as well to go and have have that first derby at, at the yeah. at stadium and you play lose it. Red and red against white, yeah. rather than blue on white. It's, it's yeah, tradition it's, like that that's that's being unstuck. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's funny, almost. I was saying to just before that derby that we're almost like complete opposites of clubs now. You mentioned earlier, like we're this well-run business model. We've owned by the fans. Our chairman is a fan. He was on the terraces ten years ago, and then he got Cardiff. We were this sort of owned by this crazy Malaysian businessman is, is well they're just yeah. a pantomime aren't they like mm. they, they are a pantomime and I I think it's I don't know I don't, I don't mean to be pious and I don't want to talk about how anyone else should support their team or anything oh, like that but for me if that if that was a case of that was happening at Spurs it would be AFC Tottenham for me I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't stand by that I couldn't there was it there was a lot of well I say a lot there was a little bit of talk at the start of some sort of Cardiff City Phoenix club, but nothing's ever come of it. Um, the protests were very half-hearted at the start, and I know recently when they were protesting against them sacking Malky, uh, a lot of Swansea fans have rubbed it in their face by posting photos on Twitter of Cardiff fans celebrating promotion to the Premier League with Malaysian flags and loving the whole town. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with banners saying tan the man and and then six seven months down the line they it's the opposite so they they sort of you know they made their bed with him some of them they've got to just they're stuck with it now and so there's a, there's a good list of question here which kind of ties in wait well, it completely ties in um <laughs> we've got one from dan that's, go on, Dan. There you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> go on, Dan. Go on. Um, who is at Dan Spurs? So again, you know, that's his name, and that's the club he likes. Um, yeah. He says, "How much time have you spent laughing at Vincent Tan?" <laughs> um, yeah, it's 
Was that yeah, part of the he, time? Was that that part was of part time? of it, yeah. It's just the name. I don't know. He's just... Like I said, I, I, I laugh, but it's... I find, you know, like I said, I don't like them, but I, I do find it sad at the same time, I guess, that he's destroying a football club. And, you know, although they're our rivals, I don't know, in a way, you kind of want your rivals to be your proper rivals, not this altered version of them. I 100% agree. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a question a few years ago around the time that Rangers were getting wound up and sent down several divisions in, in Scotland and the Celtic fans were celebrating where Tottenham fans kind of floated the question, the natural question, would, would you want the same to happen to Arsenal? And in my heart of hearts, I hate them so much and I live for hating them so much. Yeah. If, if I didn't get the opportunity to, to play them twice a season and, and to see them upset and to see them lose and to, to see them struggle, um, although that unfortunately isn't the case at present, the yeah. stages that has happened, for, for example, the past eight years where they haven't won anything, actually nine years now, where they haven't won anything. Yeah. It's 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 been a joyous occasion. I mean yeah. I'm I'm fairly comfortable in saying that I enjoy an Arsenal loss just as much as I enjoy a Tottenham victory. Yeah. They give me the same swelling of heart <laughs> whatever happens. And I, w- I wouldn't want to see him become a a circus club for, for purely selfish reasons, just because yeah. if we were to then go on and, and beat them and establish ourselves as a better club than them while they're a duke outfit their fans that would undoubtedly stick by them because they've got no soul themselves would would happily um, use that as an excuse and say that it's, it's our owner's fault that we're we're now behind Tottenham and yeah. I, I want us to to usurp them and them to have no excuse whatsoever, um, no logical excuse because because they'll always scrap for one. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Um, it sounds like you feel similar about Cardiff, that you want them to be a realistic opposition for you so that yeah. you can beat them and you can laugh in their face as they're a proper club. Yeah, I reached, I, actually, I've just finished reading um, Sid Lowe's book all about Barcelona and Real Madrid, and he says pretty much the same thing, whereas Barcelona couldn't exist without Real Madrid, and Real Madrid yeah. couldn't exist. And it's, obviously, it's not to that level. Swansea, Cardiff, but it'd be a shame if, you know, there was nothing there. If it was the just theory this. behind them is the same. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Got, I've got that book yeah. for Christmas, but I've not, I've not yet read it. 
But um, I think it's the same with with all rivalries. I think. I yeah. Think, uh, neither can survive fully and have that same experience of of football without the rivalry. Definitely. I don't know. I I'm, I might be tempted to laugh at Arsenal if they turn their kit blue. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, 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 no, I def, I wouldn't be tempted. I'd definitely laugh at them. But I, no, no, I know what you're saying. I wouldn't want to see Arsenal relegated. I wouldn't want to see them disappear. Um, I just like to see them maybe finish below us in the league for fucking yeah. once. You know what? That that fucking team. If we won the Premier League one year, they'd win the Champions League the same year. <laughs> it would happen. But yeah, forget my business. Let's go on to some list of questions anyway. Um. We've got one from Gavin Christofferson. That's 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 a powerful name. That is. I like that name. Um, at Gavin C one three seven, he says opinions on Boney. What's happened to meet you? Um, is this our porn podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, Boney is he's he's a funny one because he we signed him obviously signed him club record fee. He's one of the top goal scorers in Europe. Um, he started great, in, but it was in the Europa League qualifiers and he took a bit of time to find his feet and there was a lot of talk. Apparently there was some fitness issues there where Laudrup, even at one stage, came out to the press and said he'd put him on a separate fitness program to the rest of the team. And then he picked, a fit, picked up a few injuries and to be honest with you, there's a lot of people saying, like, what a waste of money. And I wrote a article for a Swansea fanzine last month and the line I opened with was from a Swansea forum where someone called him a poor man's Jason Scotland <laughs> but um I I basically the article I wrote was saying he, he delivered this performance against Stoke in the second half and he was oh he was superb he just battered this Ryan Shawcross and Robert Hoof and it was a feeling that this was the real Boney coming about and I can honestly say um when I was home for Christmas I went to the Man City game at the Liberty Stadium and I've not seen a better strike performance this season than him. He was brilliant. He battered Vincent Company and um, Nastasic so much so that at the end of the game I noticed Company just go over to him and just take his shirt and say, fair play, mate. My thoughts on uh, on Boney. If uh, Kelly from Block Party and, jo- <laughs> and, jo- and Johnny Bravo... The famous Cartoon Network cartoon character yeah. was have a love child. That, that might, yeah, it might go somewhere towards it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. It was, that was another good one, actually. Um, Alan Curtis, Swansea City legend. Um, he's a coach at the club, but his son's on Twitter, and his son put on Twitter the other day that um, when Rio Ferdinand went up to Boney the other day, Alan Curtis asked what Rio said to Boney. And Boney said, Rio went up to him and asked, what do you eat, mate? Because <laughs> <laughs> he said he was just, just battering him again. He's an absolute beast, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. Um, let's have a look now. Let's, let's go for one of the other questions. Okay, um, we've got one from Chris. Um, again, just Chris. But his, his Twitter handle is at Chris underscore J underscore Hughes. Um, and he says, what do you think of the continual talk about Laudrup going to a, in uh, quotation marks, bigger club. Yeah, I would think it gets annoying. Um, it does get annoying, but I've, I've, since the summer, I've got, I generally think he won't be here next year. I don't think he'll get taken away mid-season. I've just always had a feeling that 
this was a no, I don't know. It's almost like it's a short term job for him. He's never spoke about ambitiously about being here for a long time. His managerial record is quite short stints at a lot of clubs. Um, and to be honest with you, he's one, he's one of these ones, unlike, say, Brendan and Martinez, that although the fans, he's a legend, he's, he's won our first trophy, he's taken us into Europe, but there's not that much affection between him and the fans. It's, we appreciate what he's doing, but, like, for example, Brendan would come over after every game and he'd do his whole man of the people stuff and, like, clap you and be in the press conferences praising the fans, but... You don't really get that with Lauja, and although people would be a bit disappointed if he went, I don't think there'd be that much of an uproar. And like we said earlier, the football's getting a bit duller, but so it is a bit annoying. But I've always felt it's quite inevitable as well that he'll go. He he really is David Brent, isn't he, Brendan Rodgers? Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's. Yeah. he's it was quite funny because I remember when he went to Liverpool, it was when they did that Be in Liverpool documentary. <laughs> and obviously it was only a couple of months after he left us. And I remember watching it thinking, I'm sure he wasn't this crazy when he managed us. And I was thinking, was I blinded by love and just didn't realise how crazy he was? Or was he always that mad? Uh, do, do you know what though? When he was at you, he was, he was always kind of a bit of a, a, a podgy kind of bloke, but he looks now, he looks quite trim. Yeah, he does, yeah. He looks quite almost gone, you would say. Mm. He looks like he's a man that's really like, he knows he's in the spotlight a lot more now. Yeah. He's he's the ambassador of a global brand. So, you know, not, not that Swansea aren't a global no, brand. No, I know. Sorry, yeah. No, no, I can deal with that. Spurs, despite <laughs> our best efforts, you know, we're not up there with Liverpool. Perhaps um, we should change our kit colour to appeal to an Asian audience. You could do that. Could do that. <laughs> that, that could be, the new market is the United States of America, though, so that's, ah, that's, that's the one. So maybe something. More explosions, pyrotechnics at half-time, cheerleaders. Well, we did have a South Korean who was very good, and we sold him to Sunderland, so... <laughs> there you go. And you, you had, like, some sponsor that was something yes. other, didn't you? Or you still yes. do. Yeah, we still do. Um, GWFX, I can't even remember what it is. There you go. We that, did that one season. We had Mansion, the the online casino and poker people. And then I remember one year they just stuck some Mandarin next to it because <laughs> they thought it would it would sell more in some territories. It was like it was just the most like it's, clear. I, well, it's it's to... like when we signed Toda, who was like one of the most. Yeah. useless footballers you've ever seen but it's like he, he, he's he's like he's he's from over that way isn't he like that that'll sell us some shirts like no he's crap like what? i don't know well one there was that favorite, similar um, one no go on i was gonna say one of my favorite stories on that point is my brother lives in south korea um, so, so he knows quite a lot about um how football clubs like are advertised over there and he thinks this whole Cardiff changing colour to red and tan saying it will appeal to an Asian audience is a load of rubbish. And he did a little experiment. When he went on holiday to Malaysia, he kept his eye out for the whole holiday for any red Cardiff shirts. He didn't see any. And then on the last day, he was going through, it must have been Kuala Lumpur, and he spotted two Cardiff shirts and they were blue. Hey, that's that's brilliant. That's actually poetry. Like that's that's fantastic. Um, how uh, here's here's an interesting thing for you because we we were speaking to the Palace lads last week, 
Um, we were talking about the atmosphere in the Premier League. Um, now, now you're more settled in the Premier because you're pretty much a Premier League mainstay now. You're not, you're not the kind of team, much like how Stoke are, probably. Yeah. I'm not comparing you to Stoke in in any way other than the fact that you're now two established Premier League teams. Um, how have you found that that's affected the atmosphere at the stadium? Because a lot of people, because the Palace lads were scathing of the Premier League. They said it is the graveyard of atmosphere of football. They, you know, they said consistently, anywhere you go, they've, they've played teams who they used to play in the championship who would have raucous support, like Norwich was the one that they highlighted, whereby they said that they used to sing, be so loud, great home support, who are just terrible now that they're a Premier League team. Would you say you've noticed that amongst your own supporters? Um, sort of, yeah, it was... It was quite funny because obviously Swansea moved from the Vetch, which is known for an intimidating little ground, to this um, the Liberty Stadium, which is your, I, you know, I go to like I said earlier, I go to a lot of football grounds. The Liberty Stadium is as bland and grey and you know typical out on a retail park sort of ground as you're going to get. Um, so it took a long time to get any sort of atmosphere there, but. It started to change the under Brendan actually that year in the championship. I don't know, perhaps it's because we started having success in the championship, but it seemed to get a bit louder. And then even that first year in the Premier League, I thought, wow, it's it's our home now. It's loud, and it sounded like you know an atmospheric football ground. And I don't know, the second season it dipped a bit, and then this year it's just gone down again. So. Yeah, like you said, perhaps it does come with um, that sort of party atmosphere of being the Premier League club has gone and now we're sort of settled to an extent. Perhaps we have sort of stopped the party a bit. But I should say, um, on my travels this season in the Premier League, the most loudest fans I've heard are definitely Crystal Palace. I'll say that for them. They were brilliant when we weren't there. They're good, aren't they? The Homestyle lads, they're a very good team. They were... I was going to say, it went on a Sunday as well, and I sort of in the pub with their fans after, and they said they were quiet for that day. So, This is the thing, though. I think it, it, it's, it's very good, but they have a club that's very accommodating of what they're trying to achieve. Um, a similar thing is being set up at Spurs, and they seem to keep hitting roadblocks. But as as I say, we spoke to the the Crystal Palace lads. Any Spurs fans listening? Just just have a listen to last week, Crystal Palace. Not that Matt isn't fantastic, and you shouldn't you know yeah. turn your attention away from this Swansea City podcast by <laughs> any means. But yeah, if you want to hear a bit more about the Homestyle Fanatics, tune into last week's episode available on iTunes um, to hear some more about the uh, Homestyle Fanatics. But they're a very good very good movement. They've worked very hard to get to where they are. So I've hat, pulled up a hats off pulled up them. a. Brendan Rodgers quote in that time. Oh, uh, in the time that I've been a verbose prick as ever. <laughs> it was um, it was the, when when Matt called him a man of the people. I remember something <laughs> he said about uh, humanity, and uh, he said, "I started coaching for one reason, and that was to make a difference for the people, not just as footballers, but as human beings." Which him. is 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 terrible. Well, I <laughs> like. It's, it's, it's as if somebody like sent Harry Redknapp to school. This is the sort of things he'd do. <laughs> and speaking of quotes, this is somewhat unrelated, but I've I've got Twitter on in the background. I've just seen one pop up from 
Aidan Flint, who is, if if you weren't aware, I mean, you're both football hipsters, so I'm sure you know that Aidan Flint yeah. is a Bristol City defender, of course. Yep. Um, he's just tweeted, the hardcore way to eat super noodles. Number one, boil water. Number two, eat block of noodles. Number three, drink boiled water. Number four, snort flavoured powder. Number five, fuck bitches. <laughs> There you go, Aidan Flint, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, go he's, on, Aidan Flint. He's probably more famous for that tweet than he is his footballing. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, let's go on to the game itself now. Um, how how do you see it going, mate? Because Spurs are a team that you know we don't really know what this show with Tottenham are yet. I, I don't think even Tottenham fans know what show with Tottenham are. No. How how do you see it from the outside? How how did you see the AVB sacking the Sherwood appointment? Do you because there, there seems to be a, a big divide at the moment whereby there are a lot of people that didn't like AVB, so it's anyone but AVB. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that liked AVB who kind of really. There's a lot of different divides, but essentially, and then there's people like me who who'd lay down naked for AVB and and have let him have my, his his way with me. Tim yeah. Sherwood, <laughs> an underqualified man, yeah, yeah arguably, um, is in charge of a Premier League team now that has aspirations of apparently <laughs> competing for the title. Um, do, do you think we were in the right to sack AVB, just as an outsider? Um, as an outsider, I thought um, Spurs were sort of plodding along okay, I thought, um, under AVB. It was just that crazy 6-0 loss because I think I'm right in saying that um they'd only they hadn't conceded many goals until that 6-0 um and that 5-0 to Liverpool they've only it's, it was just a home form like what I gathered really wasn't it they're not really losing away from home they're not conceding many goals it's just I don't know if just finding I guess it was a bit like us but just finding that killer instinct at the other end of the pitch and it seems seems Tim Sherwood's that's all he's trying to do which is as a neutral I, as much as I say um I you know I thought AVB was doing okay as a neutral I think I'm much more excited about seeing Tim Sherwood just have fun <laughs> with Adebayor and Soldado up front and all these attacking midfielders just in the middle do, yeah. do you know what mate like you you honestly like you you just make this so much better for me as someone that doesn't particularly like Tim Sherwood. Well, doesn't particularly like yeah. the appointment of Tim Sherwood. Yeah. In respect, you're like, let's just see him have some fun with some football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost like a lad yeah. that loves playing football manager has just been given yeah, yeah. the chance to take over a Premier League team. Let's just see it. It'll, it'll be yeah. a big laugh, you know? Yeah. I imagine it would be more fun if it was a club any any, any other than my own. Yeah. <laughs> Because well, it's um because, slightly worrying. Oh, it, and it's, it, it, I was going to say it's classic Spurs as well. Spurs always have sort of fun spells like this. I find I, I've always quite liked Spurs because though they were a bit like a sort of London Newcastle, where they have moments of just craziness. I find which I enjoy. <laughs> Ruffleham Lolspur, I think, is the team you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but the yeah, game, it's, the game. Oh, oh, it, it, what's going to happen? Are you going well, to beat us? Um, it's, like I said earlier, um, away from home, apart from that crazy 6-0 loss you had, um, 
they don't concede many goals. And at the moment, we're not scoring many goals. My only sort of hope is um, this Tim Sherwood philosophy is so... Well, I, I, I don't even know what the tactics are, to be honest with you, and I've watched Neither them, do we. So, <laughs> Neither does he. I think, <laughs> I think that that might suit us. We're well drilled. We know what we're doing. We might not get the ball up there, but we're quite tactically astute. So it might suit us, just this mayhem going on around us, and we might just go, right, keep our heads, and we'll just sneak our way through these. But I, I think what worries me is when I look at last week, for example, Crystal Palace... They, arguably, for for most of the first half, were the better of the two teams. And what I feel let them down, and what has arguably let them down for a lot of this season, is the fact that their players just aren't... Well, a lot of their players just aren't Premier League standard. They're not individually either very talented or have the fitness to really compete against Premier League athletes. However, penalties. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But the way the manager set them up, and this is Tony Pulis we're talking about, the way the manager set them up was was very good. Now, you're a team that are a very different kettle of fish in that you have a lot of very talented footballers. You have a seemingly talented manager who a lot of Spurs fans actually wanted when AVB was sacked. Um, and I, I do worry that this could be the banana skin for yeah. for, for Tim Sherwood and for Spurs. I'm, I'm really not very hopeful about this match. Um, I mean, just, just to give us a bit more context, like how is it that you've been setting up to play away from home? I mean, a, a, good, a good example, I would probably say at the moment we're fairly on par with, if you look at the league positions, Manchester United. How did you set up to go to Old Trafford? Did you... Go all guns blazing. I know it's a cup game, slightly yeah. different to in the league, but did you go out all guns blazing or did you play that kind of absorb counter-attack style? It was um, it was quite funny, really, because we're usually, especially last year, I would say, we're really good away from home because the way Loudrup sets up in that sort of absorb counter-attack play. And I can, I'd imagine that's what we were sort of going to do at Old Trafford. But the David Moyes... Like David Moyes has been a bit of a thorn in our side since we were on the Premier League. Um, his, he, he just always knew how to beat us with Everton, and he would sort of he would play the counter attack and let us pass the ball in front for ages, and then he would be the set his teams up to catch us on the counter attack. So, for example, at Old Trafford, the last two games, we've had all the possession because United are dropping back and. Yeah, it's been a bit odd watching your team. I think we at one point, I, I was at the game, so but somebody told me at one point it came up on the screen that apparently we had seventy percent possession in the first half at one point. And, you know, it's Old Trafford. That's that's not meant to happen. This the, the statistic um, was um, since Opta started collecting data, Manchester United haven't had that least possession against hmm. the Premier League side. Um, since that level of data analysis has yeah. been in place, so it was um, it was quite tremendous to see. Yeah, yeah, but um, basically, second half, um, they sort of they scored early, and then they sort of went a bit guns blazing on us, and we panicked, and they scored again, and they probably should should have got a couple more in all fairness. But yeah, in in general, at home against City, it's the first time in a long time was when we played City New Year's Day. 
a lot of City fans I know up here have said that the two games we've played against City this year, um, they've been the, the hardest, they said we're the toughest team we've played, they've played. Because um, at home, we went really guns blazing against City and we kept the ball and we were attacking. So I'm hoping that that was a precedent and we're going to do that a lot more this second half of the season, starting with Tottenham again. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, what what would you say your prediction is going to be? Uh, I, no one likes to answer this question, no. Matt. But no. what, what's your prediction for the game scoreline? Um, I'll, uh, I'll go. I'll go one all. I'll be boring. One all. I think. Yeah. Um, what about you, yeah. Raj? You're you're pretty boring as well, mate. What's, yeah. what's, your, what's your boring prediction, Raj? Uh, four three Tottenham. Oh Ooh, wow! Classic. That's that's because I called you boring, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. In all, yeah. In all fairness, the two games we've played against Spurs at the Liberty in the past two seasons have always been really good. Actually, um, I think we played you New Year's Eve in the first season. It was one all. We scored in the last minute to equalise, and last year when Gareth Bale and Vertonghen scored those awesome goals in the first twenty minutes, that was a good game as well. So, should be all right. I'm going to say 2-1 to Swansea. I am. You know, last time I predicted... this. I'm, I'm sorry for the man that said this to me, but this, this is Twitter in a nutshell. Last <laughs> time I predicted that Spurs were going to lose, I got called a disgrace <laughs> because I didn't back my team. You know, I, I apologise if I try to, you know, be a bit impartial yeah. in a way. Um, but yeah, no, apparently I'm a disgrace and I, I'm, I'm going to be a disgrace again. I think Spurs are going to lose. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't, that doesn't mean I want Spurs to lose, yeah. of course. Well, 2-1 was on the tip of my tongue and then for some reason one all came out. So I stick with one all now, but I almost said 2-1 to Swans. As almost. <laughs> I said, mate, you're a shit. You're you're just as yeah. shit a fan as I'm I am. A, I'm a I'm a disgrace. You plastic. You're plastic, yeah. mate. That's what you are. So uh, I, I tell you what. Um, I I cut you off pre pre recording as I was looking at your Twitter bio and you said you were right. Gareth Bale's biggest fan. Yeah. And I asked, yeah, I, are you taking the piss because <laughs> he's a Cardiff lad? And you were like, no, actually. And then I said, save it. Keep yeah. an anecdote for the show. Yeah, no. What, well, what, what, what's it's the anecdote, Matt? It's not that exciting, really. Have I built it up? Have I, yeah, I've, 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 mate, I've been excited for the past yeah. half an hour, 45 minutes now, waiting for this. Um, no, it's just, I, basically, I think he's the best thing ever. Um, like, he's he's great for Welsh football. He's we've, We used to have this other left winger who never used to show up, and Gareth Bale's there every time. I'm like... Mr. Giggs, and um, yeah, he's great. He's committed to Wales. What I was going to say earlier was, I was very drunk one night in a student union, and I said to my mate, "Do you know Gareth Bale? In a couple of years, will be one of the best footballers on the planet." And I've never forgot saying that. And they all laughed. And even when he was going downhill, I still think he was doing it. Oh, a musical interlude there. Yeah, that was that was great. Was that you, Raj? 
Yeah, my um, iPod just went off as Fleet Foxes for about two seconds, so hopefully they don't sue us for like, copyright infringement. Are we going to get sued there? <laughs> yeah, we probably. Are. Fuck. Shit. Sorry, yeah. Matt, you were saying. Anyway, we cut you off for I... the second time there. Yeah, I was just, just declaring love for Gareth Bale. I could I could be here all day. <laughs> he, I, I don't I don't know if you've uh, it, it, it got highlighted by a uh, a rival a rival podcast um, the Fighting Cock uh, on their website. <laughs> Someone's actually created a fan montage on YouTube, which I, I believe the title is Gareth Bale. What a player! What a package! Um, <laughs> and there's all these slow motion. Clips of essentially Gareth Bale's dong swinging yeah. about inside his shorts. The, the the boy's a horse. It has to be said. Um, he's he's a magnificent footballer. That lad, yeah. I absolutely fantastic. Um, I miss him so so yeah. much. <laughs> it, 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 we spoke about this at length earlier on in the season, Raj. But still, do you, you see him tearing it up at Real Madrid, seeing seeing people beforehand saying, Oh, he's not that good. Spurs have Spurs have gotten a good deal here. He's oh, he's overrated. He'll get found out in the Liga. But no, unsurprisingly a world class player is still a world class player in another league. He's yeah, uh, I, mean, I sit there watching Real Madrid and you know, Luka Modric puts the ball into Gareth Bale and he scores and I'm sat there in my sofa in my Tottenham shirt crying and masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a climax, as Ricky yeah. once called it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I miss them, and but I'm I'm so glad that they're doing well. I mean, to have two two players from that that team go on to the biggest team in the world and be essential parts of them now. I mean, there's there's no way that. Uh, neither of them are part of their, their strongest side. They're both fantastic, and Gareth Bale, especially after after overcoming a, a slow start at our club and quite a few injuries and uh, quite a few doubters as well, to see him where he is now through hard work and, and nothing but hard work. So um, remember, he's absolutely I, fantastic. Um, I remember on the I just had a flashback to my trip to White Hart Lane earlier this season, and me and my mates on the train were singing the Welsh Viva Gareth Bale song, much to the amusement of all the Spurs fans around us. It's um, a Welsh national team classic of singing Viva Gareth Bale. How, Viva how Gareth do, is Bale. it Viva Gareth Bale? No, it's um, Viva Gareth... Oh, let me get it. I can't remember the two now. Viva Gareth Bale, Viva Gareth Bale. He said he's got a bad back. He fucked the Union Jack. Viva Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> In ode to his snub of Team GB. I find that really offensive, but I find that racist. <laughs> That's racist and offensive. Yeah. I think it's probably like the legal team at Tottenham will probably have something to say about that as well because they had to put out a, a lengthy statement after that because yes. he was um he was he was supposed to be injured for the start of the season, but got like a good six weeks, and I think about three days later he was playing in a game. Yeah, there's even not- room. There was even some rumours that he had his um, ears pinned back in, instead, wasn't it? Oh, he's definitely yeah. had his ears pinned back. I don't back. think well, he's instead, but he definitely had his oh, ears right. pinned back that summer. He's definitely... Anyway, Gareth Bale, his massive dick, his bad back, whatever. <laughs> it, it, it's it's done. It's done and dusted. Um, thank you very much for joining us tonight, Matt. You've been a great guest. Oh, um, been a pleasure. It, not only have you been a lifesaver, you, you have been a, a, a very good lifesaver as well. So, thank you. Um, Good luck for the rest of the season, mate. It's always good to see 
The Lily White's doing well. Get the old guy on then is what I texted you. So, so what was that, Raj? We are recording now. Who, what was... Oh, sorry. <laughs> that, that was an off-air conversation that spilled on air because I didn't realise we were, we were recording. Something about an old guy. Um, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you for joining us. What a, what a, what a joy. What a, what, a, what a man. What a man. They build them special in Wales, don't they? They can all sing. They can. Not to be stereotypical. Yeah, and they, they all like leeks, don't they, I think? Yeah, and sheep. And sheep, yeah. Oh, God, fuck, how do we get through the whole thing without making a sheep joke again? Is because we're te- good human beings. Is that technically racist? Probably. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm a shit fan, because I, I think we're probably going to lose. Um, how how can you see us setting up, mate? Is it just going to be the standard 442? Oh, no, it's not 442. It's like four, three, one, two, because Ericsson drifts in and leaves the left back exposed. No, it's it's a four something question mark two. The the middle four, I think, just get picked and are left to their own devices half the time. Now, I I, I don't know if you read. Um, one of my work colleagues flagged an article that they'd read with me um, about Tim Sherwood. It was on the Guardian. I can't remember who it was that wrote it. Um, which is always a good start. But uh, football journalists are all pigs anyway. Um, the, they were on this understanding that Tim Sherwood was playing down the fact that he is quite a tactically astute manager. He's you know, dressing up with this whole, oh, I'm a geezer, I just don't think it's a science, yada, yada, yada. Whereas they'd observed that we are playing this very fluid formation in that all of our players seem to constantly rotate and occupy space that we don't have players sticking to, especially, well, in the midfield and the attacking positions, we don't have players occupying what you would call traditional positions. Hence why people will say, why is Ericsson starting on the left when he's not actually technically playing on the left? That We seem to be playing this formation where almost the players are playing in little circles so they, when one will go forwards, the other one will drop back and they seem to just fill up vacant spaces on the pitch and always keep options available for one another. Um, is this anything that you, you, you know, you can see that he's trying to implement at the moment that either we don't have players that are good enough to achieve whatever it is that he's trying to do this radical style of play or that he is still just winging it and he's a bit of a charlatan. Um, I, I agree with the the concept in theory, um, and I think I said as much last week. With in terms of the players picking up positions that aren't really natural positions, and that you can't really call it a traditional four four two because they're not planted there specifically, and it's not as strict as that because uh, it is. It's, it's almost in t- entirely the antithesis, the theory behind it to to the rigid sort of where where people want to play that AVB tries to do. Um, but as I say, my my feel with it is is because he he presents himself in such a downgraded manner, and he doesn't really articulate himself very well when he's when he's given the option to explain himself by the media, which is why they're there. He he chooses not to. He chooses to deflect those questions and do something different. It's open to interpretation then whether the fact that the players are filling in those spaces are down to the players' intelligences themselves and what what they can see and how they can read the game themselves when they play or whether or not it's something they've worked on in the 
in the training field because it's it's he's not really if he was to come out and he was to to give this address in a similar manner to to what AVB used to do when he wanted to talk about football or how Rogers does occasionally or how Wenger does occasionally or how Guardiola does or how famously Bielsa used to sit there for hours on end and discuss his formations and what he did. And then stick six up front. Yeah, he, he, he just, he doesn't have that nous about him at all or he appears not to. I don't, I don't know why because if, if you were this, this sort of manager that had this radical new way of playing football where he, he's got these new positions and things that he wants to go and a new theory behind it. I'd completely welcome it, but I'd want him to, to explain it. I don't know why he's so, so cagey about it because it's not like teams are going to suddenly know all about us because he said it in a press conference. Teams will eventually work out how we play just as they do with every other team in the league because they've got scouts there and because they've got weeks worth of tape of how we've been playing and they'll meticulously study and, uh, and analyse our performances. So, who, who, um, not who, but what do you make of AC bringing in Clarence Seedorf? Because I've seen quite a few people draw parallels between Spurs bringing in Sherwood. As much as I laugh about it, you know, you can't compare them as footballers. But I was going about to say. Yeah, uh, uh, as footballers, there's, there's no comparison. Clarence Seedorf was one of the best ever, probably. Um, Clamp Seedorf in his, in his current position is probably in a better footballing state than Tim Sherwood was at his peak. Yeah. Um, although, you know, captain the Premier League team. Premier League winning team, I should say. So captain the champions, several Champions League winning teams. Yeah, there, there you go. Um, and uh, but not to let that get in the way, I would say if I were an AC Milan, it's equally as sketchy an appointment as a club the size of AC Milan probably shouldn't be hiring an unproven manager, someone that's just had to actually retire as a player to become their manager. I think he's been managing. To in some capacity already at Botafogo in in, in Brazil while he's been there. Um, but one so, might be able to say the same about Sherwood with Spurs, though. I think youth set up with a, a top-level Brazilian side is, is, is slightly extended. It. I mean, it's still competitive, and Botafogo is still one of the biggest teams in Brazil. And that's, a, that's a competitive league. It's not the academy squad at Tottenham, really. And I think... Uh, I think Sadoff spent a lot of time doing all of his badges and things like that. So I think where where the concern with with Sadoff would be for me is is who's in his backroom staff because if he's got people like Inzaghi in there, it might be a little bit better because he's Inzaghi has spent a lot of time actually inside the club and working within the different youth setups and things like that. So he's somebody that is has actually been groomed to do it rather than. Sadoff, who's apparently been parachuted in. I think he was actually going to be coming in the summer regardless. I think they've just pushed it up because Allegri did so well, so not so well, so badly this season, and especially that, that performance this weekend against the Swallow. I think, like, I, I sometimes ask myself this, and I, I don't know if it's anything you've ever considered. Do you think we sometimes judge Tim Sherwood rather harshly because he was a less than spectacular player? No, um, it's not something that I ever take into consideration. In all honesty, because if you if you look at some of the best managers in the world, they've most of them were were far than spectacular players. Whereas Alex Ferguson, Arsene Ferguson Wenger. was yeah, 
none of them I mean Wenger was hardly a player he was he was very poor and, and almost amateurish if that I don't think he was he was ever of any sort of um, of any sort of note as a footballer whatsoever um, so yeah he, he's not up there Brendan Rodgers wasn't ever excellent um, Roberto Martinez was passable but you know he, he wasn't a Ballon d'Or candidate or anything like that and then if you do look at some of the very best like Diego Maradona well, he's 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 good at shaking his bling on the sidelines. He's good at he's good at cocaine as well, and that's not alleged. Um, no. Here's here's a here's a fantasy football question for you, Raji Baines. Um, and you you can include a Ronaldo, you can include a Messi. If you had an unlimited budget, prestige, so on and so forth, was no option. What one player would you buy for Spurs right now in this January window? to improve us exponentially. What, and they're playing right now? They're, they're a player now or a player Yeah, no, a player now. So in world football today, which one footballer, you know, prestige money, no option, would improve this team beyond belief? Head says Luka Modric. Heart says Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mate, uh, Zlatan for me all the way. Because I, I think Zlatan would just be a, a spectacle to behold. I wouldn't care what formation we played if he was at the club. He would just be monumentally good fun. I I I, I love the man. I, I, I think you'd probably like karate kick Adibayar in training within like a week of being at the club, just out of dislike. He's <laughs> he's he. If you could actually imagine that footballer in our system like he the way he leads the line is he's just he he is phenomenal and he I, I i it's only in the past few years that people have actually really started to sort of sit up and say that's latter he, he's actually really good isn't he why is it that he's only really played for top level teams and those teams have always won the league when he's been in their team because um, as he he's got something insane whereby every single team he's played for they have always won the league, haven't they? Yeah, I think it was something like five or six years on the trot. He he played for uh, teams that had won the league, and then um, often different clubs as well. And then there was an often a, there was a, a different statistic as well where the season after Zlatan had left a club and then won the league, they'd then go on to win the Champions League without him. So I think AC Milan did it and Barcelona did it and Inter did it. So it was several times he was a year out in missing. Think he's a realistic option for Spurs? Uh, not a catch chance in hell. But he, he might quite like Tim Sherwood. Yeah, not a, not a catch chance in hell. We, we've got more chance of um, winning the league this season than buying Zlatan at any point in his career probably. And well done for the Puskas Award as well, Zlatan. I know you're an avid listener of uh, Rule the Roost. Great goal against the England. Um, it was it was a pretty fantastic, although it's some shoddy goalkeeping from Joe Hart. However, as a piece of ind- individual athleticism and uh, you know weighting a ball well, it was a very good goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I think that was more athleticism and, and accuracy and just judging the flight of a ball and things than, than like any sort of power or anything behind it. It was just cojones, so cojones, you know, just to think, fuck it, I'll give this a go. 
Yeah, I don't think there's any other player in the world who would try that from there. I think most are trying, you know, bring it under control and then take another touch and do it. Whereas he just using his uh, martial arts skills to the very best, just uh, went for it. The brilliant thing about him is like he's a wanker. Cristiano Ronaldo's a wanker, but they're almost like at the two different ends of being a wanker. It's it's almost like Stalin's communism versus. Adolf Hitler's fascism in that they're completely opposed on a political spectrum. However, they almost meet in the middle in a kind of sick, in, in, in like a, a sickle like shape. That's, that's what I see not to compare Zlatan and Ronaldo to Stalin and Hitler. No one wants to be compared to them. Awful humans. You um, just did. I did. Um, but you know, it's, it's like Zlatan, you can see people, Oh, he's an egotistical prick. It's like, yeah, he is, but I quite like that. But then someone says, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's an egotistical prick. Yeah, he is. Prick. You know? I don't know. That's how I yeah, feel about There's him. that one fantastic photograph, though, from... You must have seen it from the, the um, Ballon d'Or Awards last night, where um, Messi and Ronaldo sat next to each other with their um, respective girlfriends or wives, whatever they are these days. And um, they start, and it looks quite frosty between them, like... Ronaldo's on one end and Messi's on the other and then the two women are sat between them and then once Ronaldo's won there's a photo of him sat with his wife on his knee and then Messi's wife sat next to him chatting to him deep in conversation with his hand on Messi's wife's knee while Messi looks in the other direction about four seats down (laughs) it's just it's a fantastic image is it real? yeah it's completely real it's a completely real image it's um I don't know what had happened, but it's just a fantastic, fantastic snapshot of um, of, um, of of what had gone on. I'll, I'll I'll show you it. I'll tweet you it later. Brilliant. Well, tw- we'll tweet it out from the uh, from the Royal the Roost account as well, because I know you all like looking at that, and that is a perfect end to the show. That brings us to the end. So you can, of course, see that picture and listen to the rest of our incredible outpourings at RTRSSM. Don't forget to also follow the boss, JP. Hello there, sir. Um, uh, at Spurs Statman. Um, he, he put out a very good one earlier on. I think it was... I know that was Ben McAleer. Sorry, JP. Um, ben McAleer put out one that Michael Dawson has actually been the player to play the most long balls from his own half this season. Um, but with, a, I think it was a 62% accuracy. So, I think that's an outfield player. I think some goalkeepers would have something to say about that. Okay, okay. Um, you can also read all of the materials on SpursStatman.com. Is there anything coming out this week, mate? Um, probably. Probably. Okay. And <laughs> you can, of course, listen to all of the episodes on... It's not. Is it SoundCloud? SoundCloud, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm still working on that. I'm emailing them back and forth because, as I said last week, there's that strange upload limit thing that I'm yet to work out how to... Sack them. Sack them now. Um, <laughs> but you can listen to them on SoundCloud or on iTunes, Rule the Roost podcast. We are on iTunes. Please leave us a review as well. Give us, give us a few stars. Leave us a nice review um, because that would be nice and it would inflate our egos even more than they already are bulbous. Um, and, of course, you can you can listen to it on your excuse for a smartphone on the pod... It's not pod... Buzzsprout, that's the one. Buzzsprout 
website. We'll put the link out. We always put them out in every single tweet. Um, and just essentially keep supporting Tottenham, loving things that are Tottenham, and talking about Tottenham and doing other Tottenham things. Come on, you Spurs! catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 